The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. Have you ever asked yourself the question, if Jesus Christ returned to earth this week, where would he go to church? Your answer may well be the same as many others watching. Why, he would go to my church, of course, on the first Sunday that he could. But there's a problem. We all go to different churches. Jesus couldn't visit all of the thousands of denominations, could he? In today's program, I'm going to give some facts from your Bible that will help you to make what I believe could be a well-informed response to the hypothetical question, where would Jesus go to church? The traditional image of church attendance is one of well-dressed moms and dads sitting in a pew in a church with vaulted ceilings, or maybe assembling with the pomp of a great cathedral, resplendent in the light shining through stained glass windows. Deep bass notes would be emanating from a great organ, adding solemnity to the occasion. Many churches will have an image of the cross, with a suffering Jesus hanging lifeless from the cross piece, while others emphasize the relationship between Mary and Jesus, mother and child. Whatever your idea may be of the church that Jesus would visit, it may surprise you to find what the Bible reveals about which church Jesus would attend. You need to know the answer to the question, where would Jesus go to church? To help you answer the question, request your personal copy of Restoring Original Christianity. This booklet will contrast the great differences between the Christianity of Christ's apostles and what most people consider Christianity to be today. I know that you'll be amazed at what you will discover, so stay tuned. A warm welcome to our Tomorrow's World viewers, and especially if you're joining us for the first time. On this program, we give you straight talk from the Bible. We don't try to make the Bible say what we want it to say. You'll find that the facts we bring to you can be proven in the pages of the Bible. To make that statement relevant, though, I should explain one important fact. After careful evaluation... The Tomorrow's World presenters have decided to use the New King James Version as their primary reference Bible. This doesn't mean that we won't use other translations from time to time. That's when the words make a point clearer. But we understand the important difference between a word-for-word and a thought-for-thought translation. The New King James Version is a modern and accurate word-for-word translation. With that in mind, let's consider some major areas of doctrine and practice that Jesus Christ lived by when he was on earth. It makes sense that what he did and what he taught 2,000 years ago is exactly what he would teach today. It's logical that he would look for a church that is teaching what he taught, 
practices that he practiced and believed what he believed. Wouldn't you agree? After all, as we turn to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 8, we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he came back to earth today, he would be teaching and believing just what he did when he was on earth so many years ago. The fact is that today's so-called Christianity has changed many things that he did and practiced. Would he accept those changes? Or would he look for a church that is doing and practicing the same Christianity that he gave to the apostles and the first century church? Close your eyes for a moment and think. I want you to think in your mind a picture of what you believe Jesus looked like. Is this the picture? Does he have long hair and a beard? Does he have a serene, almost mystical look on his face? Now, open your eyes, because I want to reveal what the Bible says about the way he would have looked. Would you recognize your personal Savior if he came into your church? Of course I would, you answer. He'd have a long flowing robe with a full beard and long hair. He'd have strong eyes and would be calm and serene. We would all fall down and worship him. But there's a problem. He didn't have long hair. How can I be so dogmatic with that statement? It's because the Bible tells us clearly that long hair on a man is actually, are you ready, a shame for him. The Apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, wrote to the church in Corinth explaining the proper decorum, dress, and hair length for men and women. He explained to the Corinthian women that they should consider their hair as a covering and a glory. Let's read, if we will, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15. It says, But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. In contrast, in the previous verse, we're told, Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? The King James Version says, It is a shame unto him. Jesus Christ inspired Paul to write down what would be the accepted Christian practice. Men with long hair and women with very short hair are simply living outside of the Bible's guidelines. Now, have I offended you with this? If so, it was not what I said. It's what the Bible says that offended you. Think, if you will, how Jesus Christ conducted himself when he was on earth. Was he always calm and serene? Well, yes, most of the time he was. And he was certainly self-controlled and wise. But that didn't stop him from being strong and outspoken when it came to the money changes in the temple. What did he do? It says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Wow. Is that a meek and mild Jesus? I think not. You know, it may surprise you to know that Jesus Christ was not popular with everyone in his day. 
The masses of common people loved him. They loved to hear his clear messages of truth and justice. They loved it when he healed the sick and cast out demons. He wasn't afraid to address the religious leaders either. Listen to this here in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 27 and 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Don't be surprised if the religious leaders of today also wouldn't welcome Jesus Christ with open arms if he were to return to earth. He could very well experience the anger and wrath of the religious establishment as he did in his day. As well, though, there would be individuals, maybe like you, who would clearly see his sincerity and truthfulness and seek to follow him. You could be amongst those who would be prepared to stand up for what you believe he taught and practiced, even when it would be different to what most other people believe. Now, you think about that. The question then, where would Jesus go to church, is an interesting one because so many of us are brought up with concepts of Jesus that are frankly not always from the Bible. To help you with your answer, we're offering you a free booklet titled Restoring Original Christianity. Phone for your copy now or go to tomorrowsworld.org. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to Tomorrow's World. Most people don't understand that Jesus Christ was the creator of the whole universe. That is all the stars, planets, and galaxies. Before his human birth, Jesus Christ was known as the Word. He obeyed the command of, the God, of God Almighty to design, fashion, and construct the whole universe as well as create all of the angels. If we turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, notice what it says. It says, for by him, that is, by Jesus Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. Amazing. Did you know that before? Don't be too sure that you know all that is in your Bible. For many of us, we simply accept what we are told without question. Most people don't understand that the God of the Old Testament was actually Jesus Christ. 
He was the one who brought the Israelites through the Red Sea and then gave them the Ten Commandments. You know, it wasn't God the Father who did that. It was Jesus Christ. Let me prove it. We're going to turn, if we can, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all drank of that spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So far, we've discovered that Jesus Christ didn't have long hair, that he was the creator of the whole universe, and that he was the God of the Old Testament. Are you surprised? If so, I'm sure that I now have your attention. So now let me introduce you to some more Bible truths. And as I do, continue to ask yourself if you really would recognize Jesus Christ if he came back to earth today. And also ask yourself, would Jesus come to my church? Which day of the week did Jesus Christ honor, acknowledge, and observe as his day of worship? Well, the answer is really quite simple because we find it in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Which day was his Sabbath day? It was the seventh day Sabbath, of course, or as we would call it today, Saturday. Would he change his observance to Sunday if he came back to earth today? Remember what we read before in Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And remember that we proved that Jesus Christ was the God of the Old Testament who gave the Ten Commandments to Israel. The fourth of those commandments says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And which day did he sanctify? Why, the seventh day Sabbath, of course, Saturday. You know, the Jewish people haven't lost sight of that day because they go to their synagogues today just as they did in Jesus' day on a Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Some people believe Sunday is the seventh day of the week. Check your dictionary. You'll find Saturday is the seventh day of the week. Now, that probably comes as a revelation to you, but it shouldn't because it's right there, once again, in your Bible. You know, no one came in last night and put words into your Bible that weren't there yesterday. I'll say it again. If Jesus Christ came to earth today, he would be looking for a church that observes and honors the seventh day Sabbath. But you may reply, I thought he changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday when he came to earth. Well, if so, can you find where he said it in your Bible? Search, look for it, see if you can prove it. You would think that such a fundamental decision to change Jesus' day of worship from Saturday to Sunday would have been a central part of his teaching. And yet, silence. Rather, we find him saying, the Sabbath was made for man, 
and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. It would have been a perfect time for him then to say, and that Sabbath I have now changed to the first day of the week. No, the historical fact is that the pagan Romans changed their religion to what they believed was Christianity around 325 AD. They simply transferred their old pagan day of worship, which was Sunday. Why? Because the Romans worshipped the sun as their god, hence Sunday. In our free offered booklet for today, Dr. Meredith makes quite clear what happened to Christianity in the 4th century AD. Calling on the words of noted historian Will Durant, he quotes him on page 22. Christianity did not destroy paganism, it adopted it. The Greek mind, dying, came to a transmigrated life in the theology and liturgy of the church. The Greek language, having reigned for centuries over philosophy, became the vehicle of Christian literature and ritual. The Greek mysteries passed down into the impressive mystery of the Mass. One great philosophical idea was lifted entirely out of the writings of the pagan Greek philosopher Plato. It was that of the immortal soul. Speaking to his brother Glaucon in Book 10 of the Republic, Plato said, Are you not aware that the soul of man is immortal and imperishable? The soul which cannot be destroyed by an evil must exist forever, and if existing forever, must be immortal. You thought the doctrine of the immortal soul was from the Bible, but no, it has come right out of Babylonian, Greek, and Roman mythology. In fact, the gospel writer Mark recalled what Christ said to the scribes and Pharisees in Mark chapter 7 and verse 6. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. What did Jesus tell us about man's existence after death? Let's start with a simple statement that Jesus Christ made in John chapter 3, verse 13. We read, No one has ascended to heaven. Now, nothing could be simpler and plainer than that statement. And yet one of the fundamental tenets of today's so-called Christianity is that when a person dies, their soul either goes to heaven or hell. Let's notice a similar scripture, this time in Acts chapter 2, verse 34, speaking about ancient King David. For David did not ascend into the heavens. Now, I thought that David was a man after God's own heart. And if anyone should go to heaven, it would be King David. Sorry, not so. In fact, King David is amongst many of the great patriarchs of old who are asleep in their graves, awaiting their resurrection. Wise old Solomon put it this way. He said, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. The Bible reveals that death is a state of unconsciousness where the body goes back to the ground where it came from, and the unconscious spirit in man returns to its maker to await its resurrection. Job understood the order of events. He tells us in chapter 14 and verses 13 and 14, 
Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, he asked, shall he live again? And then he answers the question in the next sentence, all the days of my hard service or appointed time, as it is in the King James Version, will I wait till my change comes? Job knew that there was a time from the death of a person to their resurrection where they would sleep peacefully in their graves. The New Testament upholds the same message with the Apostle Paul saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The truth that is revealed in the Bible often differs from the doctrines of so-called Christianity. To help you discover the facts, we've prepared a booklet for you. It's titled, Restoring Original Christianity. It's free to all who request it, and there'll be no follow-up, and we will not pass on your address to a third party. We keep your details private and secure. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome to the last part of today's program where we're asking the question, where would Jesus go to church? I've shown that he would be looking for a church that would teach what he taught. I was comparing what most sincere people who claim to be Christians believe about the afterlife compared with what Jesus believed and taught. So let's continue. The common idea is that we have an immortal soul given to us at birth. But is this true? Do you have an immortal soul or is immortality and eternal life, something that must be given to you as a gift. Don't think for a moment that you will necessarily have the right answer. Let me show you what I mean. One of the most famous and oft-quoted scriptures is John 3.16. Do you remember? It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, most people do not read much past that, but it is important to do so. Listen that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What was that? Should not perish? People think they have eternal life and could not perish. So think again. You'd be surprised how many times the Bible tells us that eternal life is something we don't have within us. 
but it's actually a gift from God. Why would God offer and promise to give us eternal life if we already have an immortal soul? Doesn't the word immortal mean eternal, eternal life? The truth is that Satan told Eve the very first lie in the Bible, which is still believed to this day. Do you remember the story? God told Adam and Eve, for in the day that you eat of it, that is the forbidden fruit, you shall surely die. And did Eve believe God? No. She believed Satan, who said to her, you will not surely die. That's Genesis 3 verse 4. People the world over in every religion believe that humans do not die at death, but live on in maybe nirvana or paradise or heaven or hell. Others, of course, believe in the transmigration of souls, or as we call it, reincarnation. Listen to these scriptures. John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but listen to this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift, not something that you have already. Then there's another one. This is Titus chapter 3, verse 7. Titus chapter 3 and in verse 7. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Eternal life is not something that is inherent within us, but is something we hope we will receive in the future. It's not the purpose of this telecast to make you angry or upset. It's to teach, it's to expound and to explain what the Bible says and reveal what has come from the minds of men, especially those old pagans of Babylon, Greece, and Rome. There are other differences between what Jesus and the apostles believed, taught, and practiced, and what are the common beliefs of the majority of people today. I hope that today's program has been enlightening and helpful for you. Maybe you're being led by God to a different way of thinking as you watch the program each week. Be sure to join us again next week as we present to you precious truth from your Bible. Roderick Meredith and Richard Ames will reveal important truth to you that will help you face the tough times that lie ahead for this world. Wallace Smith and I will also bring to you information that can't be found anywhere else. Until next time, goodbye, friends. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, 
Visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.